Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. Lent, to state the obvious, is a consequential time of year. Many folks give up something for Lent, in keeping with a long-standing tradition of fasting during penitential seasons. Some folks have shared with me that they are giving up bread, or pasta, or Facebook, or alcohol, or television, among many other temptations. One friend shared with me a very creative and difficult fast this Lent. She is giving up the snooze button on her alarm clock. I can't decide if that is inspired or masochistic. Some folks, along with or in lieu of giving up something for Lent, take on something for Lent, like exercise or reading or picking up a long-neglected project or paying more attention to their prayer life. All of these, the giving up and the taking on, are consistent with the prayer book's invitation to a holy Lent, a season of self-examination and repentance, prayer, fasting, and self-denial. But in Lent, folks also contemplate their sins. One rather dramatic method of considering one's sins is the Great Litany, that voluminous listing of sins and wickedness that began our worship this morning. The Great Litany goes back to 5th century Rome and was popularized in Britain during the 16th century. Henry VIII prescribed the litany to be prayed while England was at war with France. And back in the ways, back in the days when the geographic area that we know as a county was better known as a parish, because each county or parish had one church in it and everyone within that geographic area was compelled to worship at that one church, people and clergy and choristers and acolytes, they would process around the parish, tracing the borders of the area while praying the great litany. And while your sins might not be defined as blindness of heart, pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy, envy, hatred, and malice, or all want of charity... All excellent sins, if you are looking for a sin, you can't go wrong with pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy. 
But while you might not name your sins as such, we do spend some time in the season contemplating how we separate ourselves from God, how we shut out God and neighbor, how we deny our inherent right to stand in the midst of the holy. Spending some time in considering such things is not inappropriate in this solemn season. However, if we spend some time in this Lent contemplating our sins, perhaps not wallowing in our sins, although a good wallow from time to time is good for the soul, we do live in proximity to New Orleans after all. But if we spend this time in Lent considering our sins, perhaps we should balance those meditations by also considering our forgiveness. For we believe in a God who forgives. Scripture, if you boil it down to its very essence, is a story about God who is constantly forgiving. A God who walks with us despite our flaws and sins, who continually renews the covenant between God and God's people, and who assures us of his unconditional and everlasting love for each and every one of us. God forgives the unfaithful. God forgives the complainer. God forgives the intemperate. God forgives the obtuse. God forgives the prejudiced. And God forgives those who dream too little. I recently found this delightful little prayer titled, Experience the Resurrection Anew. And it so poetically speaks to how sinfully small we can be from time to time. It prays, draw us forth, God of all creation. Draw us forward and away from limited certainty into the immense world of your love. Give us the capacity to even for a moment taste the richness of the feast you give us. Give us the peace to live with uncertainty, with questions, with doubts. Help us to experience the resurrection anew with open wonder and increasing ability to see you in the people of Easter. So despite our increasingly creative ways to sin, God is exponentially more able to forgive. And not only is God able to forgive, but God enables us to forgive. I recently watched a documentary about Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the former bishop of South Africa who served during the end of the horrific apartheid era. And Tutu, despite the truly evil things he has seen, he often speaks not of sin or retribution, but of forgiveness. Tutu, after all, after the fall of the apartheid regime, led the Truth and Reconciliation Project, a project which sought to avoid the very human temptation to seek revenge, but instead name the sin, bring it out into the light of day, to sit with it, to tell the story, and then reconcile and forgive. And forgiveness, Tutu says, is good for your health. Holding a grudge, according to Tutu, increases your blood pressure 
and sits in your, and these are Tutu's delightful and insightful words, a grudge sits in your tum-tum. Indeed, it does. I know from personal experience. But forgiveness releases the soul. It lowers the blood pressure. And it brings us into greater communion with God and our brothers and sisters in Christ. So in this season of Lent, as we give up or take on, as we confront our temptations as Jesus did in the wilderness, and as we contemplate our sin as Adam and Eve did in the garden, we should also consider forgiveness. How we could forgive others and, and this is the hard part, how we could forgive ourselves. How can we release that grudge, that anger, that bitterness that poisons our thoughts, that darkens our souls, and has sat too long in our tum-tums? What if this Lent we gave up revenge and took on forgiveness? What if this Lent we gave up anger and took on grace? What if this Lent we gave up bitterness and took up love. How might that look? How would it feel? Lent is a consequential time of year. And what if the consequence of our giving up and our taking on, our prayers and our fasting and our study and what have you, what if all of that resulted in you finally realizing that you are forgiven. That would be truly consequential. Amen.